Hello, everyone. Welcome to Checking In with Changemakers with Be The Change Media Network. My name is Lily Mott, and this is a show where I get to catch up with past guests of Be The Change podcast. I have been hosting this podcast for over three and a half years now, and my guests have done some amazing work since I talked with them. So this is an update on the work that they're doing. My guest today is Joshua Gabriel Oluwashei, and he's a climate storyteller and an environmental activist. I interviewed Joshua Joshua for Be The Change podcast back in March of 2022, and he was featured in episode 92 of the podcast, which is absolutely crazy. Um, oh, let me make sure that, there we go. Okay. I think that Joshua should be joining us. Let's see. Okay. Perfect. All right. We're good. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Can you hear me okay? Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I was just, I got the intro out of the way. So I feel like we can kind of dive in. Um, but I was just saying, I interviewed you all the way back in March of 2022, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Um, and that was episode 92 of Be The Change podcast. So I know that you've done lots of great work since then. I've been stalking your Instagram a little bit. So <laughs> I know, but I can't wait to hear more about it. So how are you today? How is everything going? Uh, where do I even start? I mean, there's so much going on. Firstly, excited to talk to you again, Lily. Um, 122? That's, wow. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a while ago. Like, it's been two years almost. Um, wow. But uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I am in final year of college now. Finally, uh -huh. a final semester of college. Um, so I've got, like, eight weeks left in university in total oh and that's exciting but also really scary because i'm like oh my god what am i gonna do yeah. after university you know that pressure of like yeah life's about to happen or begin uh so just like the last couple of weeks and this week too has just been filled with that sense of pressure uh -huh. but i think interesting story though yeah last week um we had a an environmental issue uh, the, the the fepa um of my country the environmental protection agency had announced earlier in the year that we're going to have we have this weather thing called hamilton mm -hmm. um which is essentially like the the i think the the breeze from from the sahara sort of blows towards uh the south of africa mm -hmm. and it creates a very zone was delayed um not by like people but you know climate change of course uh -huh. uh, and they announced that you know not a delay but the was going to be a lot harsher and that the, the air was going to be filled with like particles that could cause uh inflammatory problems um you know dizziness like they, they had this whole like press release thingy about how this could be bad and mm -hmm. as somebody whose life quite literally is threatened by issues like that i was like oh my god um thank god i've been wearing my nose max but throughout the entirety of last week i was quite literally paralyzed oh my god. because i couldn't god. leave my room because as soon as i stepped out of my house i had to breathe in like it was intense last week i had to breathe in this i don't even know it felt like a weapon really like the air was so dense oh and bad every single breath i took felt like i was piercing myself and no. um, so the entirety of last week essentially i was just indoors i couldn't step out for food i couldn't go to classes i just went back to school today and i had to explain to my lecturers who also had the same issue they couldn't do it well and you know so just to think about the 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 climate crisis and the realities of the climate crisis is something that we had to deal with just a week ago here in my country yeah. and so many people felt that even those who don't know what climate change is was insane 
Um, but I think also that sort of helps now with my work as an activist in Nigeria with talking about the, the issue and saying, hey, there's an example. You remember that week when we had this reason why we couldn't breathe, why we, had to, why we all had to wear those masks? Yes, that's really climate change. And this is why we need to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Unfortunately, making an example out of your life. <laughs> that's, Unfortunately. That's, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that everything is going better now. And I'm so glad that I got you on here to talk with you. Um, I would love, before we get deeper into what you're working on now, and you give me an update, tell me about, I did a very brief introduction as to who you are and the work that you're doing. Tell me more about your background, who you are, um, kind of like you did on the podcast, but give me more of like a formal introduction um, for those okay. people who may not know you. Uh, tell me a little bit yeah. more about you. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hate it's formal, but okay, okay. I'm going to try. Uh, <laughs> I feel like so much like just introduce yourself now. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure. But um, hi, I'm, I'm Joshua Gabriel, as you said, Lily. Um, I am 23 years old. I am a Nigerian climate storyteller and environmental activist. Um, essentially, what that means is I tend to use stories to inspire action for climate change or against climate change, right? Um, I also happen to be the founder of a non-profit organization and a couple of projects, uh, Learn Blue, which essentially uh, amplifies my work, helps, you know, inspire young people like myself, Gen Zers, who are uh, from the age of, say, 13 to 25 or 26, uh, teaching us what we can do in our everyday lives to take action. Um, I think my work is built on this innate understanding that whilst, of course, individuals cannot entirely change the world uh there is power in collective action and whilst we need to lobby for and we need to call our government out and we need to hold you know fossil fuel companies accountable we can also begin doing something uh, as young people or as individuals really across the world um from little things that we do in our daily lives to you know just how we our, our relationship or our connectedness with um nature uh yeah i mean formally i my work is also <laughs> my work has been spotlighted over the years um, by some major organizations and, and new sites, including, of course, Sinberg, um, which is just before we spoke in 2022 uh, as one of their last classes of 2021 uh, by Noir Debates. It's one of its sub-missionaries, and uh, I've never had the opportunity to really just tell my story across the world and, and, and sort of hopefully uh ensure that that story and that personal angle to the climate crisis is what is the tipping point for a lot of people um to take action for you know or against climate change um if that all makes sense uh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely um i'm trying to think because i feel like this this label now or you know kind of the formal label um the, mm -hmm. the climate storyteller i think that that is a new a new one since I last talked with you. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of how you stepped into that role and how you took on that title and kind of what that means to you? Because I think I, th I I get so excited when I hear the word storyteller because yeah. that's my bread and butter. I love it. Uh, so tell me about what that means for you and how you've stepped into that role a little bit. Yeah, of course. I mean, also, just if I get into that, I have been doing my own bit of stalking and you and obviously um you are you're like you're like the bougie version of me like i'm a soldier oh, yeah. you're like a journalist journalist and you're yeah you know um hey, but, hey, hey. it's that formal title right that doesn't mean anything right <laughs> um but no i mean um for me 
I sort of I sort of adopted it sort of fully last year. Um, I think why is uh, you know we hear the word climate activist a lot, right? We hear like climate justice activists or climate activists or climate change activists or however you want to call it. And I think for me, I just over the last I've been doing it for about half a decade now, which I've been saying since so I was eighteen, nineteen years old. I'm yeah. twenty three now um and i think for me i was just reflecting last year on i was building I, i'm very i'm somebody who's very strict on branding and you know curating my online profile and what you see and and i think i wanted to be able to communicate the right message to people as easily as possible with my name or my title so if you're introducing me as just um i i i do want to go for climate activism because i i am an environmental activist yes but i i don't quite activate in a normal sense of the word. And what that means is, um, as an activist, there's, you're, you have unpopular opinions, you are protesting, you're marching, you're lobbying, you know, activism has, is, so, is so multifaceted. And, and I feel like for me, um, whilst I do some work that can cut, cut, be categorized as activism, I had to um, focus my introductory title on what I do more on a daily basis. Something that if you woke me up from sleep and say, hi, Joshua, come talk about climate change, I am going to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to tell a story every time. I'm doing webinars and I'm starting my conversations with, I'm so sorry, guys, I'm going to tell a story. And so whenever I, you know, talk about my journey, um, I always, always segue into a story. And I think it's just this, um, probably also family, family, family um, influence as well probably kind of houses that i grew up in but i think just growing up as a child um and sitting around with my grandma um or grand aunt there was a lot of you know stories in 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 as, as giving us like lessons right they talk about attitudes they're like um if the the, the, the tortoise and the hair and you know for me i remember those 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 lessons more because there were stories attached to them and i think i wanted people to um have the same experience with my work right mm -hmm. as an activist and so when I tell climate stories, it's easier for me to meet that same person in a year or two years and talk about, you know, what I talked to them about when we first met and they would remember it as opposed to just, you know, approaching it from a perspective of say science and facts, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's sort of what, what, what pushed me into this, just understanding that one, my personal attachment to stories um, has, always, has always been a catalyst for remembering things easier. And it helps me uh, feel more, more connected to, to courses or to topics or to people. Uh, but also I just want to really easily understand the work that I do at a glance, because honestly, if you go through my Instagram, if I use the word activist uh, as a first connotation, it's very, it's like, eh, you don't really see me activating in the normal <laughs> sense of the word. Mm -hmm. But it's very easy for me for you to see me giving a speech or telling a story. Yeah. And so I think that's why I moved into this, this space. Um, yeah. Hi, yeah, baby. I think that's, that's, I think that's so, that makes so much sense. And I think that more people should adopt that title. I'm like a huge proponent of it because I think your story is so, amazing and it's what makes you so empowering and just so i think when i first heard your story i was like this is you were one of the first people i remember talking to who i was like this person has been personally you know your health was impacted your entire life was impacted by this issue that you were so passionate about and 
it really comes through. And I think, you know, it would be a shame if you didn't share that story. So I think it, it totally fits. Um, I love it, but <laughs> I definitely wanted to point that out because uh, that's, that's new and I think it's exciting. Um, not new as in you've been doing it for a long time, but the title, I love it. Um, I'll, I'll be sure to put that in the episode notes and everything, storyteller. Um, but tell me about what you've been doing with Learn Blue since we talked. I know that it's grown like crazy. And I know that you're probably working on uh, some new awesome projects and things. Tell me about what your work has looked like. Of course, 2022, like you said, almost two years ago, lots has been going on. Um, tell me about the work that you're doing now. It can be with Learn Blue. It can be with other things. Give me the whole overview. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. If this one's so no far, you like no give pressure. it a seat, but no pressure. Um, <laughs> right. I, uh, wow. Okay. So Learn Blue, we have I'm not sure it's a problem necessarily in the sense that I am always, um, you know, I'm a student, so I've got so much going on, and I think it's really hard for me to. I have a very terrible social media game. That's that's how I'm just gonna put it. Like, (laughs) you would think about I am good at social media stuff, and I am. I mean, I worked as a social media consultant um, in the start of my career, and my organization quite literally grew on social media. But lately, I feel like the more I've gotten older, the less um, my social media activism if that makes sense and so I'm, i don't often share what mm-hmm. we're doing uh, i literally have to but not kind of almost quite literally put a gun on my head so i could like share the last <laughs> our last poster learn blue uh, which was about like the unibank cleanup in a way partner partner for um but basically what i'm trying to say is we've been doing a lot of stuff uh, but i think some of the most notable ones obviously i've just been um me embodying this larger than life maybe role that I have within Lemblu, mm-hmm. right, which is sort of as founder and a director. And I think it's very easy to dismiss because it's like, eh, you know, it's a founder, it's a bit of director, but that's a lot. Um, at Lemblu's peak, and what I mean by peak is in terms of when I sort of was a full-time Lemblu um, founder, before I sort of had to step back and focus on school, I had a team of, say, 15-ish people from across mm-hmm. like five continents and several different time zones. You had people in India, in China, in, uh, uh, I think, Italy at the time. Um, wow you know everywhere singapore um and so i had to manage just people and so it made it quite hard to when, when i eventually had to step back it made it quite hard to keep up with things but we over the last two years um i think the most notable things that i've done as embodying this role that i, that I have as founder of lender is just do more speaking like um so much more speaking um i've, I've done a lot more webinars that i that i care to uh i'm able to remember i never share my social because i'm always talking to people and i know it's so it seems so trivial because you're thinking eh, you know it's just speaking like where is the impact there but i think again as a, as a storyteller i'm sure you, you you deal with this as well you want every possible avenue to talk mm-hmm. to people because yeah. we understand more than most people that human empathy and human connection is so paramount in this movement that is climate justice and environmental justice um being able to hear people talk being able to hear their perspective and then being able to tailor your stories and your your solutions whatever to those people is so important so i've been a lot of speaking but last year we launched um in collaboration with my one of my amazing friends um nigerian climate activists as well uh, uh and my other friend uh youth empowerment leader downsill one we launched a project called our african climate story which is like my new um 
<laughs> I want to say my new shiny toy, but it's not a toy. But it's like it's literally like the new baby. Like I, I, yeah. I'm quite literally in the process now of sort of stepping down from Lemblo as active executive director and founder, uh, and to get somebody to go about that role mm-hmm. and and just sort of focus full time on this particular project, which is our African climate story. And the premise of that is uh, all three of us as, as Nigerian climate leaders um, uh, have this interest, intricate understanding of the fact that the African climate story. Um, it's very one-sided when you look at it from an outside perspective. And what I mean by this is, if you search for climate change in Africa, from the Wikipedia pages to news articles, aside the few articles you get of art- activists who are featured, what you mostly see are stories of, uh, uh, how do you say, sadness and like droughts and famine and these photos of like kids who are trying to get a cup of water and, you know, uh, people building wells and, and that is the African climate story, of course. But hi, <laughs> Tariq. Um, but 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 I think for us, we just understood that there is a there is a much wider lens to view things from. Um, there is a story of resilience. There is a story of hope. There is a story of, you know, change and impact, uh, and people creating solutions. I've got people in Kenya. Ellie just joined us. Uh, people in Kenya who are doing amazing work with hydroponics for hydroponics uh, farming. We've got people who are mobilizing entire communities. We've got people who are turning recycled uh, electric waste into power source. Right. So the amazing work that is happening across Africa, and really, our African climate story is a project that aims to help the people who are doing those work tell their stories better, yeah. right? So amplify yeah. their voices, because they already have voices, right? We're just trying to amplify that voice. Um, so that's sort of our biggest project. And last year, we launched it uh, quite spectacularly with the support of We're Family Foundation uh, in Nairobi, Kenya, during the, our African, uh, the African Climate Week. Uh, we had activists from, I think, 13, 14 African countries, um, you know, come together and we had a workshop and we taught, taught them about sort of media training and the basics of storytelling and what makes for a good story, you know, how to connect with people emotionally, right? And how to go beyond just the facts because uh, people often want to talk about, you know, Africa produces 4% or less than 4% of global emissions, which is true. But, you know, the average person may not get that, how, how minuscule that is in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And so how can you make it relatable? How can you bring it down? so people can understand and so that's what that's what this project is about and you can tell how excited i am about it because i'm just like ah rambling on yeah i mean and for 2024 we're hoping to sort of make that even bigger and i open that up to more african uh, uh sort of views uh, and gather sort of create a collection of stories that that serves as a, a go-to resource resource for politicians for uh, uh leaders for fellow activists as well to just sort of see that the African climate story is not one of just trials and tribulations, if you will. It's one of so many lenses, one of hope, one of youth resilience, one of solutions and ingenuity. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a lot. I'm yeah, so sorry. no, no, no. No, this is so exciting. And I saw that on your, I was hoping that you were going to talk about that. So this is more than I hope for, for sure. Um, but I'll definitely have to do a collab with some of your, I was, I was checking out that account yes. already and I was just like, because I featured a couple of, or at least I've kind of been in contact with a couple of the people who you've already highlighted. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is perfect. Um, but yeah, so you got to send me names. You got to, you know, tell me who I should spotlight because I'm I'm always on the hunt, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's That's just amazing. I think that's a great way to really amplify those stories. And like you said, I think kind of change the narrative a little bit from look at all of these amazing projects and especially the projects that young people are doing that are just so innovative. Like you said, I mean, just just a little bit of everything i mean your work all of the stories that 
the potential is just amazing. So I, I love it. Um, but tell me more about what you're looking forward to in the future, maybe some projects that are coming up, of course, developing this, and that's going to be awesome. Uh, do you have any events that you're looking forward to? Any big stories or people that you're featuring that you can tell me about? Give me kind of a sneak peek as much as you can into what the next couple of days, weeks, months, I don't want to say years because that's too scary. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, huh, I'm somebody who I have goals, of course, but I don't quite, I don't have, I, just sort of not set in stone. And that's for re reason, because I have received so many rejections and stuff, and I've had my goals, my, my you know, trajectory change so much over the years uh, that, I, that I tend to not look too fine to the future now. And even when I do, I make sure it's as broad as possible. Uh, but I would say, you know, in terms of projects that are coming up, I, as I'm wrapping up university in about two months, uh, or seven weeks to be more precise, um, I... I'm just hoping to do more work with our African climate story, of course. But I think also, um, I this may come as a surprise, but I want I run an agency, or I am building an agency. But the agency has nothing to do. Most people know me as a climate activist, which is probably my fault because I I do a fairly strict brand around like being a climate activist, which is awesome. But I but I do a lot of amazing stuff. Um, I I work in tech, or I used to work in tech. I was a Facebook Developer Circle community co-lead um, years ago. And so I'm sort of trying to tap back into that roots or those roots. Um, but yeah, I, Ellie, I, I am also just sort of um, trying to focus more on my agency. So my agency essentially manages content creators, um, up and coming content creators from Africa and hopefully the world as well. And so I've been reaching out to a number of amazing creators who just have great content. And I'm like, oh my God, we should help you, you know, monetize the content and grow. But also from a, from a social uh, entrepreneur perspective, as well i think for for us we're just looking into sort of define um, my organization's position um as a non-profit organization in the country and i think what that, what that means uh, uh quite tangibly is getting accreditations or uh i don't know if accreditation is the right word but constitutive status right with the united nations ecosoc uh you know unfccc unep um, they have quite rigorous sort of guidelines on how you can get this things. But I think over the last couple of years, one of the one of my biggest gripe with being an activist from the global south has always been inaccessibility to spaces where my voice is most needed. And it's really, really sad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, last year at COP, I was supposed to be at COP, uh, or I really wish I could have could have been at COP, but you know, some of the opportunities that I had quite literally hoped for were like yeah, nope, you know, I didn't get it. Um, I couldn't get accreditation, I couldn't get funding on time. Um, and then, of course, I eventually had exams. So I guess, in a way, that's not my excuse. But reality was I didn't get funding. And so I think for, for us at Lemblu, um, what I'm trying to do over the next couple months, weeks, years even, is to solidify standing as a nonprofit organization, um, a legitimate nonprofit organization. Because uh, we in the Global South, we go through a lot more scrutiny when it comes to getting grants and stuff than perhaps our Global North counterparts. Um, but yeah, so over the next couple, over the next couple of months, I think we will be... Uh, uh, in a more immediate term, 
recruiting a new volunteer team. Like I mentioned in the start of this conversation, I will be stepping down. Um, this feels like all those, this is like Beyonce announcing a yeah. new album. Like I'm announcing <laughs> for the first time on checking in with him because like, if you, if you're here, yeah, like you're getting first school. Um, but no, I, <laughs> but yeah, I will be stepping down sort of uh, as founder. Um, well, not founder, I really can't step down as that, but as executive director of my organization, Limblu. And so over the next couple of months, I will be personally interviewing a lot of young people um, to take over that role um, and lead the company or the organization into our next um, sort of futures. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're looking to do. It's just, I think for us, 24 is just a year of strategizing, right? So Q1, Q2, Q3 is largely going to be around strategy development, uh, uh, expansion in terms of getting new team members, because my previous team have like a 10 year thing of two years, and then we sort of refresh. Um, and then um, Q4, perhaps we can then begin looking into maybe um, applying for certain statuses or grants and stuff. But yeah, that's sort of the plan um, for our near future. That's exciting. That's exciting. I feel like I am getting some inside, you know, <laughs> not that it's a secret, but exciting. Um, I'm so excited. No, I am stepping down. I'm oh, sorry. I I know everyone's blowing up the comments. You got some fans. Um, <laughs> so I asked you this question almost two years ago, which is scary on the podcast, but the signature mm -hmm. question, lots of young people, especially high school students, university students want to create change, want to make a difference, but they may not know how to get started with that work. What advice do you have for those people who may be watching us, who may be listening later on the podcast? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm pretty sure whatever I'm going to say, I, I don't remember what I said to you. I'm quite sure it's going to be around the same thing because okay. I, I feel like I've held, I've held my ground on certain, certain uh, points of view since, since doing it. I'm just like, you're going to do this. But, um, all right. I mean, again, it still goes back to what I always say, which is the fact that, you know, I believe in the power of behavioral change, right? Um, and I think that's something that may be overlooked, uh, 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 you know, in terms of how we approach climate action. Um, behavioral change is the understand, this is my definition, this is not Wikipedia or something, <laughs> but it's sort of this innate understanding that um, everything you do in your everyday life, from how you wake up or when you wake up, um, to when you brush your teeth, to when you go to work, to how you get to work, to what kind of food you eat, and, you know, and so on, affect the environment right that on this understanding that it's all a cycle the cycle of life uh uh or more you know uh directly the cycle of climate climate change and climate action and so for young people around the world who are listening to this um this sounds i'm sorry i just as i said i meant that i sounded like some sort of speech like i had a dream so to all young people who are listening this is your personal um i'm so sorry i'm so i'm so playful um but but so young people who are listening to this, what you can do uh, to, you know, take climate action, again, like I probably said two years ago, is understanding one that things that you're doing in your everyday life, minuscule things have an impact on the environment. Uh, understanding that there, at any given time, there are at least, you know, a million people who are doing whatever you're doing. So if you're sleeping, there's a million people who are sleeping. If you're using hot water to bake, there are like a million people who are doing that as well. If you're, I don't know, throwing your debt, your waste, instead of in the right, I don't know, just by the roadside, there's like a million plus people who are doing the exact same thing. So understanding that collective action, um, you know, in turn has an impact on the environment, which means whatever you do is not being done by you alone, helps a lot. But I think also um, something that I've, that I've tried to uh, advocate for more and more lately is the establishment of, um, or the, the recognition of the power in volunteering, right? Um, people tend to 
I don't know. I feel like for our generation, that's Gen Zers. I don't know about Gen Alpha. I heard they are like old vision stuff. But for us, um, vol volunteering, we're like the biggest volunteer generation. Um, um, and volunteering is like cool. Like it's something everybody wants to do. It's like, why not? Um, and so, you know, for Gen Alphas and those young people who are in uh, secondary school now who are listening to this, understanding that just joining a local organization, a local club, uh, is a good step into helping fight for the environment. Um, I'm volunteering an organization who does work around, say, interviewing change makers, or who does work around helping um, changers learn how to tell these stories, is a great way to fight for the environment. Uh, and obviously, this is not just for climate change. This goes for all kinds of, all numbers of the global goals. This is gender inequality. Uh, this is education. This is, you know, uh, good health and well-being. This is uh, zero hunger and poverty. Literally, the simplest of actions that you take helps someone somewhere. It's it's a ripple effect, right? It's sort of this paying it forward attitude. Uh, and I think lastly, 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 um, what what I would advise you to do is, um, if you feel like you you don't want to volunteer, um, or you you're, you've not quite found an avenue to ex to to express your you know uh, concern or your passion then create your own avenue. And what I could mean is creating a social media account to begin talking about an issue, right? Um, I know that there's people from my team class of 2021 who are quite literally like TikTokers who just talk about black history or talk yeah. about racism mm -hmm. or talk about gender equality, right? And those are actions you can take. You have, we, have, we have so many tools at our, at our fingertips right now, so much disposable tools. We have smartphones, we have good internet, we have good cameras, we have ring lights, <laughs> you know? Um, so understanding that you have access to these in valuable resources that they will before you perhaps did not have and being able to leverage them as your creative outlets to make change is so important um so i'm hoping somewhere in my maybe four minutes of talking that there's some <laughs> one of those points applies to you um you guys but yeah hopefully that sort of resonates with my previous philosophy in 2022 oh i'll um, have to go back and listen what, what if it's like exactly the same what if you brought up behavioral change that would be amazing um, would we'll, be see. So we'll see um i have one more question for you after listening to all of this if people want to follow along with you if they want to support your work what is the best way for people to do that well uh as a as a, as a boomer gen z yeah. and <laughs> I'm a boomer since my friends like I like I don't have Snapchat. I have Snapchat, but I feel like it's just for photos. I don't do social media as much as one would expect that I should. But I am you know fairly active on Instagram yeah, where we are yeah. now. Uh yeah, I try. I really try. And I and I also I would find myself in saying that my DMs on Instagram are almost always clear. And so if you text me on Instagram that you need help with X or Y or Z, I am very likely to respond once I do log into Instagram. I think also on a more formal um notes you could find me on on linkedin as well um i am i am making a conscious i tried making a conscious effort and i am still trying i guess to be more active on platforms like linkedin because they provide an immeasurable amount of um, um exposure to people who make decisions right and so you could technically find me on linkedin if you wanted and connected over there i'm also still on facebook yes i am that guy so um <laughs> If you're on Facebook like me and you're, you're a young person, awesome. Please send me a DM on Facebook. I would likely respond as well when I, when I do have a chance to resp uh, get in there. But I think the most direct way to reach me is to send me an email. And at the moment, my Instagram profile has my email address. I think you have the email button. And so you can directly email me. Um, I'm my official email on, on Lemblue. Uh, and I will do my best to get back to you um, as soon as possible.
perfect perfect and i'll also link everything this is going to be posted on the be the change podcast feed as well so i'm going to link everything in the description i'm actually sure that you'll have people reaching out to you it seems like you already have fans that are all look i can confirm he i mean this guy was just like dusting me up because i don't know (laughs) for the people that are listening to this and they can't see it i'm just telling you i'm telling everyone who's listening he is fans (laughs) all these people comments comments i love it this was so much fun I'm going to do my official little ending, but thank you so much. This was so fun. Um, I'm so glad that we got to catch up and thank you to everyone who's watching. Thank you to everyone who's listening. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at be the change org or on Instagram at be the change podcast or on this account now too. Um, and like I said, I'm going to link everything to contact Joshua in the description of the episode and tune in for a new episode of be the change podcast tomorrow. Until then, be awesome. the change you wish to see in the world. Thank That's you so, so much, cool. Joshua. Thank <laughs> you so, so much, Lee. I was also going to mention, you got the, the Jonas accent, like midway through your they were reading out like where they could contact you on you you had like this you know the journalist yes. accent they have in the u.s yeah it's well, very I, <laughs> I mean at this point i probably said that line probably what like 200 times it's ridiculous if yeah. i can't say that by memory and if i don't have like a tone i'd be surprised <laughs> it's very much like give us a call on i can't exactly. even do the voice it's so it has, it's it's like cadence. I can't. But thank you so much, really, thank you um, really for checking in on me. Um, hopefully, like two years again, we're going to come back yes. and do one more catch-up. And by that time, we'll probably have our competitive status with the UN, and that would be so cool if that happens. Ooh, yes, yes. Um, I, shout out to my that. friends. Yeah, shout out to my yeah. friends. David, um, uh, I can't even see everyone, but I know yeah, some people should up. And, uh, <laughs> you guys, Tariq, uh, oh my goodness, thank you, thank you, thank you so much so for coming. Uh, catch you guys in the next one, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye, Joshua. Have a good one. You too.